grab your Bibles and open them up to Exodus chapter 20. The series is called Moses, a story of doubt and deliverance. The chapter of this study that we're in is uh, the section is the big 10. We are covering the 10 commandments and we are on commandment number three, which is the name of God. The name of God is a topic that we could study for an entire year and not get to the bottom of it. It's a giant theme throughout the Old Testament and the New. The name of God. We'll be digging down on that topic today. Let me read a few verses from the Old Testament to talk about the name of God. Genesis 4.26 from early on in the Bible says, At that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. In Exodus 33 God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. In Deuteronomy 32, Moses says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. In the book of Judges, when Samson's parents were told they would have a miraculous child, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name? Seeing it is wonderful. In 1 Samuel, David said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. In Psalm 8, 1, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth. In Psalm 27, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. In Psalm 113, 2 to 3, it says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know that song, right? So many songs come straight from the Psalms. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In Psalm 115, 1, it says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. And in Joel 2.32 it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a theme. What a topic. Hearing what the Bible alone says about the name of the Lord is introduction enough. Let's pray and then we will learn how we can honor the name of the Lord together. Father, we come before you and open your word so that you can speak to us about your name. We ask that you would reveal to us who you are, how we can relate to you, how we can know you and honor you. Show us how we shouldn't dishonor your name. Show us how we can walk humbly before our God who has revealed himself. And we do pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, are you there in Exodus chapter 20? Are you there? Are you there? Where are you? You're in Sinai, Mount Sinai, and a mountain is on fire and it's talking to you. When a mountain is on fire and it's talking to me, I'm not talking back. I don't know about you. I'm listening. So God is talking to his people through a mountain. He's giving them the big ten. The big ten commandments, commandment number three, comes from chapter 20, verse 7. It says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Question number one, write this down. What is the Lord's name? What is the Lord's name? If I'm not supposed to take it in vain, what is it? What is the name of the Lord? Big theme, unpacked in the Old Testament. Very important concept in the Bible. God has a name. 
you have a name given to you by your parents, and maybe you like it, maybe you don't. You probably haven't changed it because that would cost you money and it would confuse everyone around you. You ever change your email address and, no, and people just don't get with the program and they don't email your new address? Try changing your name. Good luck with that one. All right, who are you now? You're George? I thought you were Tom. No, I'm George. I changed my name. Ah! You probably have the name the parents gave you and maybe it's because you're cheap. I don't know, but you still have it. And, and my name is Ryan and it means little king. So I'm keeping it. Little king. <laughs> like it's like humility and total domination all in one name <laughs> little king it's an irish name so i have a name you have a name god has a name how many of you are tolkien fans lord of the rings fans put up your hand like like me you like lord of the rings well Treebeard is a character you would know because he is a what he is a ant nobody said it he's an ant which is a giant talking tree uh, hence the name you can put a picture up there of Treebeard in the lord of the rings and he's very old and somebody asked him his name. And this old aunt said an amazing thing. Tolkien, of course, a Christian, is writing in this to allude to things about God. Treebeard said this, My name is growing all the time. And I've lived a very long, long time. So my name is like a story. Real names tell you the story of the things they belong to. It's a brilliant word. God's name tells you the story of the God it belongs to. And God has lived a very long, long time. So there's a lot to tell about the name. What is the name is revealed in the scripture? Well, jot this down. The name Yahweh, or I am, is the official proper name of God that was revealed to Moses by the burning bush. Four consonants, Y-H-W-H. The Hebrew language is a little strange. You know, you, they write out the consonants and then you can just like throw the vowels in however you want. Pretty interesting. Probably made spelling tests hard to grade. But Y-H-W-H is the official name of God, and it means I am. I am. So in the baby name book, of all the names God could have picked, he picked I am. Quite an unusual choice. And frankly, at first, when you first hear it, it's a little underwhelming. God picks a name, and what is it? I mean, he could have picked some pretty awesome multi-syllable names. Instead, four consonants, I I am. I am. It sounds underwhelming. Here's a picture of the burning bush, though. Moses talked to the burning bush and said, who is it that I should say sent me? And, and the bush said, tell them I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent you. I am. Sometimes a name sounds a little underwhelming. I read recently that most rappers don't use their real names because their real names are a little underwhelming. And so they want to gussy up the names a little bit so that they can have people chanting these fake names. So, for example, I found out that MC Hammer, you know MC Hammer, right? Real name, Stanley Burrell. <laughs> Not as cool as MC Hammer. 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. 50 Cent, Curtis. 50 Cent, Curtis. He went with 50 Cent. Buster Rhymes. This is fun to say. His real name is Trevor Smith. <laughs> Who's coming to get me? Who do I have to watch out for? Trevor Smith. Oh, that's not as scary as Busta Rhymes, right? It's not really as cool. Did you get that new Trevor Smith album? <laughs> What's the coolest name of any rapper? Of course, it's Ice Cube. What can be cooler than Ice? And yet his real name is O'Shea Jackson. All righty then. O'Shea, 
O'Shea Jackson, not as cool as Ice Cube. You see, rappers, they try and gussy up because their real names are underwhelming, and so they pick fake names. God's name might seem a little underwhelming until you actually take time to think about what it means. What does it mean? Jot this down. It means God exists. That's an amazing thought. He is. I am. He really exists. He's real and he's here. He has an identity, a personal identity. He is an identifiable being who can be known. This immediately sets us apart from many other religions in the world because we don't think God is mystical. We don't think he's impersonal like a force or a light or some sort of an essence. We think he's a personal being. I am. We think that things about him can be known. He's not this unknowable uh, either out there, this substance or this spiritual soup that, that is something. No, he's not a thing. I am. He's a personal, knowable being. He's not mystical. He's also not mythical. He's not this like conglomerate of take a horse and a donkey and an alligator and mix them all together and you get one of the gods. Like he's not this mythical being. He's real. I am. He says, he exists. He's not a force. He's not a farce. He's not folklore. I am. Atheists, of course, disagree, and they don't like the concept of a God being real. Nietzsche said, the Christian concept of a God is one of the most corrupt concepts that has ever been set up in the world. It probably touches the low watermark in the ebbing of evolution. Way to sink to the bottom of the bottom, humanity, by thinking up this idea of a god. They, of course, would say that the idea is fake, it's not real, and it's not desirable. But the Bible says, he is. He is. First, it means he exists. What else does Yahweh, what else does I am mean? Jot this down. It means God is ever-existing. He's always been. I am. He just is. He has never began. See, that makes him unlike everybody and everything in the whole universe because the universe began to exist. It has a beginning. God never began. He never started. I am. He just is. And he has always been. He is ever existing. I was at uh, Richard's High School a few weeks ago answering questions during a lunch period from students who came to an activity. And one person said, well, who made God? And I said, we don't believe in a made God. God is not a made being. He just is. If you think about that for long enough, you'll feel like a solar calculator that's trying to download 10 terabytes of data. The idea doesn't fit in your brain. The idea that God always just is. He's never not been. I am. This makes God different from every person because there was a time when you wasn't. There was a time when you weren't. 
There is a, your own previous non-existence is one of the most humbling things you can face about yourself. You just weren't. You were nothing. You were nowhere. You were a possible thought in the mind of a being who decided to get creative. You weren't. That's never been true about God. He is. He is ever existing. The name I am can only be said of God. You can say, well, I am too, not in the way God is. He can say I am, and it's always been true. And it's only true of him. Only God, an eternal being, can say I just am. He exists. He's ever existing. And jot this down. He is self-existent. Not only does he just exist, he's never been caused. Uh, No one and nothing has given him existence. He's not relying on anything to keep him existing. He's self-existent. He needs nothing. He lacks nothing. He doesn't rely on anything. He's self-existent. Because of this, we know that he possesses everything. He's inexhaustible. He's immense. He's perfect in the things that he is. Everything in the universe uh, is limited in what it is. If you take the intelligence found in humanity, it's limited. If you take the beauty found in art and song, it's limited. If you take the power found in red giants, it's limited. It's got boundaries. God is perfect and unlimited and immense and inexhaustible. He is self-existent. In fact, if you take the sum of all intelligence and power and love and beauty found in this life, God is eternally perfect in these qualities. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking God is nothing. Well, he's just like this, like an ink blot. He's just like, he's just like nothing, and that's wrong. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that God is everything. Well, he's light and he's, he is nature. No, no, because the sum total of everything in creation can't add up to who he is. He's not everything. He's not nothing. He is perfect in all the things that he expresses about himself in the universe. Perfect in intelligence and wisdom and power and love and beauty. If you rip the whole fabric of space and time and energy and matter away, there's not nothing and there's not everything There's a being perfect, perfect and full and complete in everything that's treasured about this world. He's showing you things about himself through his art, through his art and his science and his math. He's showing you things about himself that if you're able to look through the keyhole of this life and the keyhole of heaven, if you could even see a glimpse of who he is, he's perfect in everything that we treasure. I am He exists, he's ever-existing, he's self-existent. That alone makes him amazing. The Jewish people were so careful that the scribes, when they would go to write out the Old Testament, when they got to having to write the name of the Lord, they'd be like, write it wrong. And so they wouldn't write it. They'd leave it blank or they'd fill in a sub-word. So now, when when you look in your Bible and it says, in verse 7, you shall not... Take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What you see there is capital L-O-R-D. They won't even write the name I am or Yahweh there because they're too careful. So instead they fill in the word Lord, the proper name of God. So we have to learn about this substitute word too. So jot this down. About the name the Lord, what does that mean? 
The name of the Lord is used in the Old Testament 6,000 times to sub uh, for the name of God. 6,000 times it's spread throughout the Old Testament. And it includes the meaning of the name of God. And here's what it implies. Jot this down. It means that he created and owns everyone and everything. He created and owns everyone and everything. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. He's the owner. All belongs to him. So I, right now, am a landlord. I'm a landlord because I own a home near Wheaton and we listed it on the market. Uh, but, But I own it and I rented it out. So it's like an investment property. And I'll share the whole story in the weeks ahead, but we couldn't sell this house when we came down here to plant the church because the market had gone kaput back in 2009. And so we listed it, couldn't sell it, so we decided to rent it out. And God sent a widow, a woman who wanted to stay in the area to rent it out from us. She gave us one check a year because she didn't like writing checks. She'd just give us a whole year of rent up front. She did that for eight years in a row. And then finally she's like, hey, it's time I'm going to move in with my brother so you, you can go ahead and sell the house. So we listed it. And we're praying fervently, and we listed it last Friday. We already have an offer. Isn't that awesome? So we signed, and the person has 10 days to get it all inspected. So I hope soon to have great news that we actually sold it. But good things are happening. But I'm an owner of this property. I own it. I'm a landlord. And this new company that's coming in to buy it wants to own it. So we have to go through all of these steps. With, there's going to be lawyers in the room, and realtors, and title companies. Why? Why? To make sure that... I, who own it, at the end of all of this, own it no longer. And to make sure they actually own it. Because there could be big problems if this whole thing is messed up. So the idea of being a landlord and an owner, we understand, right? So here's what that means between you and God. God is the landlord of the universe. Which means he owns everything. And everyone. And that also means you own nothing. You don't own anything. You're on his land. He owns you. You don't belong to you. You are owned by the landlord of the universe. You're not yours. You're his. You didn't create yourself. He made you. Whether you like this thought or not, he is your Lord. Everything you own belongs to him. It's not yours. It, it, it is his. Your children are not your children. They're his. He made them. He made them. He is their owner. God owns you and the world around you and everything in your home and your soul, the thing that will outlive your body. He owns all. He is the Lord. He created and owns everything. And jot this down. He rules everyone and everything. Ruler implies power and authority. He is the judge. We are all morally accountable to him. He has ruling power. He rules you. He rules everything. And power can also mean creative might. He rules it and he runs it. He rules everything. He supplies and oversees the power of all creation. One of the coolest things that I heard recently that exists is the orchid mantis. Check it out. Here's a picture of the baby orchid mantises. These are the cutest little things. I mean, if you were in the bug world, they'd be deadly. But God thought them up and gave them power to be. He is the Lord. And if you think a mindless universe figured out how to assemble those, then I've got a 
bridge in Antarctica I'd like to sell you, or whatever the expression is, because that is the height of foolishness, to think that a mindless universe can figure out how to make a bug that looks like a flower. It's art, it's beauty, it's power, and it's made by a Lord who hand-carved everything that exists. What is the Lord's name? I am. He exists. He's ever-existing. He's self-existent. And the Lord, He created and owns everyone and everything. He rules everyone and everything, you included. That is the Lord's name. Now, question number two, jot this down. How and why do we dishonor God's name? If this is His name and who He is, how do I dishonor? In other words, what's the don't? Tell me the don't. Tell me what not to do. If this is one of the big ten... And it says in verse 7, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. How do I make sure I don't step on that landmine? Well, let's look through the verse word by word here. It says, you shall not take. The word take means take up, lift up, use, swear by. So it means you can... You're saying the name. It means you can say it to use it. It can also mean you're talking about the name. You shall not take it up as in you're talking about God. You shall not take the name. We already covered what the name means. In vain. The word vain means empty, worthless. So you're not using the name as if it's empty or worthless. Or you're not using the name in an empty, worthless way. Or you're not using the name for an empty, worthless cause. Okay. So let's get practical in how we can make sure we don't take up, use, swear by God's name as if it's or for an empty, worthless, vain thing. First, write this down. Don't use it sinfully. Don't use it sinfully. How do I use it sinfully? Well, In the original context, the idea was don't swear by the name of God, meaning in a legal setting or in a business transaction, don't be like, in the name of Yahweh, or I pledge by Yahweh, I'm telling the truth. Don't do that. Today, there's very similar ways that we use God's name in this manner. We'll say, well, I swear to God. I swear to God. I'm telling the truth. I swear to God. And usually you're lying. When you have to add words to your words, it's because people don't believe you, right? Oh, I swear to God. Well, why don't you just tell the truth? So if you're lying and you're swearing to God because you're lying, you're breaking this commandment. Other people will say, as God is my witness, I, why are you saying that? Just tell the truth. Because if you're lying and you're using God as your witness to lie, he's not happy about that. One of the big ten forbids that. So don't say, I swear to God. Don't say, as God is my witness. People will put their right hand on the Bible sometimes in the court, right? And, And you know... And uh, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth will help you, God? I do. And then they lie. And you just swore by the name of God on the word of God to tell the truth, and then you lie. Those are all forms today of how we break the third commandment. So we can't use it sinfully like to lie or to swear a false oath. There are other ways that we use God's name as a swear word today too, though. We make it a vulgar thing, right? So sometimes, before I was saved... I used to say a swear word. I won't say it the right way, but God blanket is kind of the swear word. You know what I'm talking about. And I said that all the time. And even after I got saved, I kept saying it. And then I, because I didn't know it was wrong. And then I got, I was at a restaurant once and my friend said to me, you shouldn't say that anymore. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, because it breaks one of the commandments. And I was like, what? 
I didn't even know. And he's like, yeah, God doesn't like when you use his name like that. And I was like, okay, well, I'll stop saying God blanket. Because, so if you look at my book on Judgment Day, some of my post-Christian chapters have me saying that. And that's using God's name sinfully. People sometimes use Jesus Christ as a swear word, just like an expletive, like when you're really mad or really upset or really angry, you just say his name. And that's sinful. You have to understand that you can't look to the world around you to find out how God feels about using his name like this. You have to look to the Bible. Because the world has no fear of God. Okay? Hollywood does not care about God's name. And if you don't look into the Bible and see how it makes God feel when, we, when you misuse his name, you won't understand that it's a very big deal to him. It's one of the ten. And he says he will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And so how are you doing it? Not using God's name sinfully. Hollywood doesn't care. They don't care how they sprinkle God's name in as a swear word throughout their movies, but you can't learn from them because our world has forgotten that God has filled the world with a flood before. Men, women, children, all gone. This is the wrath of the Lord that comes. You need to fear God when he... When a, When a giant mountain on fire tells you to be careful how you use God's name, listen to that. Listen to that. How are you doing it, avoiding using God's name sinfully? Next, jot this down. Don't use it carelessly. Don't use it carelessly. So this can be using it in jokes. This can be using it in jokes, being irreverent and careless in how you joke about God or joke about Jesus. Right? And we are way too careless with this. Way too careless. God is not a joke, and he doesn't like to be the butt of a joke. So be very careful not to joke or be irreverent in how you use God or his name. We're careful in our home. We trained our kids when they were young to not even say, oh my God. Right? Don't even say, oh my God, because that's a very flippant, careless way to use God's name. If you're going to talk about God, do it in a reverent way. So our kids, since they were young, they know. We don't say, oh my God. And so then sometimes they go to school and they start policing all the other children, right? So, so one day Jared came home and he goes, I told my friend Abdullah to stop saying, oh my God. And I was like, great, now we're going to get letters from the teacher because our kids are the cops going to school and being like, stop saying, oh my God, stop saying, oh my God. Sometimes we have friends, because our kids are in public schools, so we have friends come over and they don't know the language rules. And so they're playing a video game or whatever, and then a kid goes, oh my God, and then our kids look at us like. <laughs> but we're just like. People don't even know. People outside and inside of the church are so careless in how they flippantly use God or Jesus. So irreverent. Boy, if you're not careful about your entertainment choices when I first got saved, one of my favorite movies growing up was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I was like, oh, every time it's on, I want to watch it. It's like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And then after I got saved, I was watching it. I was like, hey, wait a minute. They're making fun of my God. And I didn't know what to do early on. I was like, I like the movie. It's really funny. But they're really, really, really mocking my God. And I don't know what to do with that. And then as I grew up in the faith, I was like, yep, I'm not watching that ever again. It's so irreverent. The creators were so intentional about being irreverent. They love provoking the clergy. They love getting the press for mocking my God. And that's not funny to me anymore. That's not funny to me anymore. God has changed my heart on that. There are some black and white things, 
some shows, there are some movies where it's black and white irreverent. And how are you doing at turning those things off? Then there are some things that are gray areas. And I don't want you to become this media crusader where you're trying to tell everybody everything. You shouldn't watch any of this stuff, right? Because he says Jesus one time, and it like, there's some gray areas where they toe the line, but it's not like black and white. For example, I really enjoy the movie Nacho Libre. I do. Gray area. They toe the line. Maybe some think it's wrong. Maybe some... I laugh. I think it's awfully funny. So I'm not like this, ban it all, right? There's, there's some where it's gray, and you got to be careful. And then there's some where it's clearly blasphemous and clearly mocking our God. Be discerning. Question. This is a great question to ask yourself. How are you displaying tremendous restraint in the spiritual content of your language and your entertainment? This is a good, good one to write down. How are you displaying tremendous restraint in the spiritual content of your language and your entertainment? Because if your filter is non-existent and there's no restraint in what you'll watch or say, big problem. Okay, a big fiery mountain is yelling at you right now and you better heed that warning. And let me just add some teeth to what the Bible is saying here. It was a capital crime in the Old Testament to misuse the name of the Lord. God is dead serious that we use his name rightly. Dead serious. If on judgment day all you were judged on is how you use the name of the Lord, there'd be enough to put you in hell forever. That's sobering. So be careful what you are entertained by. If it takes spiritual themes and mocks or belittles your God, better move on to something less spiritually fatal. Why and how do we dishonor God's name? Well, we use it sinfully. We use it carelessly. Jot this down and then don't say or teach false things about him. Don't say or teach false things about him. In other words, we use it in a way that's false. So a teacher, preacher gets up, Christian blogger, book writer, and they're saying false things about God. I didn't. She seemed like such a good woman, and she's saying such wrong things about God. Yeah, don't be fooled. Jesus warned us about false teachers. They'll look like Christians. They'll act like Christians. They'll talk like Christians. They'll sound like Christians. They'll dress like Christians, and then they will be wolves. Don't be duped. People will use the name of the Lord to mislead you. We are not to say false things about him, and in his name we are not to say false things. So this can take on various forms. Don't become the person who's the God told me person. Well, God told me to do this. God said this. God revealed this. Stop saying that. He really didn't. Unless you can show me in his word where he said it or where he led you or where he showed, showed you this. Stop saying like you've got God on the walkie-talkie. You're using his name so flippantly and carelessly and selfishly. Don't write God's name over every door you want to walk through. Unless you can verifiably say that God affirms something in his word, don't say God said. God said this. God told me this. God, just stop. You don't know that. And you're saying false things about God. You can't put words in his mouth. We've had the height of absurdity in this area. There was a woman in our last church who wanted to leave her husband. So, of course, she doesn't say, I want to leave my husband because he's a selfish jerk and I want a new life. What does she say? God told me I should leave my husband. Oh, he did, did he? 
When did he say that? Oh, I just feel it. Oh, you do? Yeah, I prayed and I have peace. Ah, well, what about his word? Because he said in his word that you shouldn't divorce and commit adultery. Yeah, but my friends told me that they think this is okay. Oh, really? Where is your God talking to you? Because it sounds to me like you're telling yourself these things. Are you God? Be very, very careful not to be like, God told me, God showed me, God... That's a misuse of his name. And God will not hold you guiltless if you misuse his name. When we say don't misuse God's name, there's some literary devices used in the Bible. But God's name can be used as part of him that represents the whole. So when it says God's name in the Bible, it means all of him. This is a literary device. So if I say, you know, I learned my ABCs, I don't mean that I learned A, B, and C, right? It's a part of the whole alphabet. And you know that I mean the whole thing. So sometimes when the Bible says, you know, don't dishonor the Lord, the name of the Lord, it means the whole Lord. Um, when a man takes a woman's hand in marriage, okay, he doesn't show up to the altar with a severed limb. <laughs> the hand refers to the whole woman, right? But we use the part to refer to the whole. So when, when the Bible uses the name of the Lord, often it means the whole God. That means that when the Bible commands us to not misuse the name of the Lord, it means don't profane the whole God. Don't profane him and who he is. Also, another literary device is the name can be part of God that represents a trait of his. So the way this works is if I were to say, the pen is mightier than the sword. I don't mean that literally. I mean the pen stands for writing, all of the writing, the literature, right? And the impact of literature. So likewise, when you use the name of the Lord, it can represent a trait of him. So the na- God's name can represent his strength, right? I come before you in the name of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. Uh, prophets can speak in the name of the Lord, and that can refer to his authority. In the name of the Lord, I command you, which means his name is his authority. It can also refer to his reputation. The name of the Lord is exalted above all idols. That means his reputation is higher. So the third commandment doesn't just mean use his name right in your speech. It means be careful how you speak and think about the entire God. Don't profane his name. It also means be careful how you define or speak about the parts of God. Don't get it wrong or you will profane his name. It's much bigger than just don't say a swear word. Televangelists who close their eyes and act like God is talking to them in the moment about people on the L. Oh, right now there's a person with foot pain. I can feel, and this is like a rerun from a year ago. Does that person still have foot pain? Like, don't be duped into someone who's acting like God is speaking through them right there in that moment. Don't be deceived. That person is misusing God's name. Anything that comes into their mind, they're acting like God told them. They're saying false things in his name, and they're saying false things about him. We have to be discerning, Christians. How and why do we dishonor God's name? Don't use it sinfully. Don't use it carelessly. Number one, what is the Lord's name? I am. He exists. He's ever-existing, self-existent. The Lord means he created, owns everything and everyone. He rules everyone and everything. Number two, don't dishonor it by using it sinfully, carelessly, or saying false things about him. Number three, how and why do we honor God's name? Write that down. Okay. If that's the don't, what's the do? 
The way to use and honor God's name in the New Testament is revealed. It's fulfilled. The way, the way to honor the Lord's name ultimately is not to just watch your language, not to just say true things about God, but to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, Jesus is the full and final revelation of God. And therefore, the ultimate way to obey this commandment is to embrace the one who came in the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ. How do we honor God's name? We honor his son. What does Jesus mean? Well, in Matthew 1, 21, it says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, named by an angel, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is actually uh, the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And it means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. He saves. And how can anyone save people from their sins? You can't do that. I can't do that. It's because Jesus is God the Son who has come down into this world to rescue us. Therefore, he brought God's name down in human form. Honoring Jesus is honoring the name of God. Dishonoring Jesus is dishonoring and rejecting the name of God. Okay, tell me to prove it. I mean, like, say it with sass. How many of you have heard a person say, Jesus never claimed to be God? Go ahead, raise up your hand if you ever heard that. Jesus never claimed to be God. Here we go. In Acts 4.12 about Jesus, it is said this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Write this down. Jesus is the I Am. When God revealed his name in the Old Testament, Yahweh, I Am, Misusing that name resulted in death. Jesus showed up and took God's name tag and put it on himself. In John 8, 58, Jesus had a long and drawn out fight with the Pharisees. And finally, he said this. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus claimed to exist 2,000 years before he existed. Abraham, a few thousand years and Jesus claimed to be older than him. Now, if you at your next birthday party say, you left a few candles off the cake, didn't you? And they're like, why? And you're like, because I was around 2,000 years ago. You're going to the funny farm, all right? People will show up and take you away because if you claim to be 2,000 years older than you are, you've got issues. Face this reality based on who Jesus claimed to be Either he's a lord, or he's a liar, or he's a lunatic. It's not original to me. You can't just say, oh, he's a good person. He's a good teacher. No, he claimed to be, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him for blasphemy. So they knew exactly what he was claiming. He was claiming to be the ever-existing, self-existent God. There are, in fact, seven times in the book of John where Jesus applies I am to himself. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He kept saying it and saying it. Seven times he said it. He's claiming to be God. Jot this down. Jesus also is Lord. He claimed to be Lord. And the Bible says he is Lord. In Revelation 19, 16, it says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of of lords. In Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, 
Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Either Christians are guilty of blasphemy in the highest order because we're ascribing to Jesus worth only due to God, or Jesus is God. How do we honor his name? We have to realize Jesus is the I am. Jesus is the Lord. And therefore, as a result, we have to confess Jesus, write this down, as my Lord and my God. These are the words of Thomas the doubter. Maybe you're a skeptical person. I was. Thomas was a skeptical person, right? Jesus rose from the grave, and then on Easter, all the disciples were like, he rose, he rose. And Thomas is like, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. He's like the Easter party pooper. I'm not believing it until I can put my hand in his side and touch it. For a whole week, he went on like this. I don't believe it. No, Peter saw No, James saw Nope. I'm not believing it. And a whole week, Jesus made him wait. And then finally, a week later, Jesus, right in front of him. And Thomas was like, and he froze like he saw a ghost. And Jesus walked up to him. He's like, touch the hand, touch the side. Stop doubting and believe. And what did doubting Thomas say? Who was an Easter joy kill for a whole week? He said, my Lord and my God. And that's what you need to say. That's what you need to say. My Lord and my God. Matthew 21, 9, the crowds that went before him and all that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In John 20, 31, John says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In Acts 2.38, Peter said to a crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And in Philippians 2.8-11, it says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, I'm not telling you today that you should bow before the name of Jesus. I'm telling you that you will. You will. All we're negotiating right now is the duration of your delay and the consequences that come with that. There is a time, a moment, when you will be kneeling before Jesus and calling him Lord. If you get to that point here, while there's still time, he will be your king forever. Heaven is his, not yours. He is the land Lord. If you hold out and you harden your heart and you refuse to crown him king and call him Lord, the time is coming when it will be forced upon you and you will admit the truth that you have denied him in this life and then the king will put you out of his presence for eternity. Which is it? Which is it? I want you to make a decision right here and right now because the time is coming when you will call him Lord. How long will you wait and what will be the consequences of that delay? Every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Are you ready to do it now or are you going to cling to your little crumbling kingdom until it's too late? Jesus is the Lord. Will you honor his name? Will you fulfill this commandment? Will you call him Lord today? Let's close in prayer. Jesus, your name is the name above every name. And I confess, like many here, it took me way too long to admit that. 
Oh, Jesus, forgive us for the years we've spent profaning your name, disgracing the one who rules heaven, who came to save us. Forgive us, Jesus, for misusing your name. I know there are some here today who were saved at a young age and they were spared the consequences of irreverence, lack of belief and faith. And may they praise God for that. But Lord, there are some here today who are not saved. They are still living in a way that denies you the right as Lord. Father, I pray that they would see right now that you are the rightful king and ruler of their heart. You're not just a wicked totalitarian God who wants to dominate people. No, you sent the savior of the world who was mocked and disgraced, who was lifted up to die. What love, what glorious love we have ignored. And I pray for anyone here today who knows that they have been robbing God of glory. May they finally say it. May they call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. In their own hearts, I pray that some right now would be saying, Jesus, forgive me for sinning. Forgive me for failing to call you Lord. Right here and right now, I confess my sins. I'm a lawbreaker. I don't deserve to go to heaven. But I call on the name of the Lord. Save me in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that there would be some who in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus are calling and being saved right now. I pray that you would remind everybody here how awesome it is that you would send a Savior. His name is our only hope. Oh Lord, fill us with joy. Fill us with joy because the King is coming. He's coming to rule. We'll be with him forever. Father, break apart the hardest, most rebellious heart in this room right now. Show them the future before it happens. They will bow. They will confess. May they do it now, receiving a king. May they not do it later, refusing a king. Now I pray that you would break through. We give you all the glory, Jesus, because of who you are, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we pray and sing to you in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing.